Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. On AM, on DAB, on the app and on the smart speaker. Fight Night Countdown, Eubank Jr. versus Williams on Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to Fight Night Countdown here on Talk Sport with me, Gareth A. Davis. Over the course of the next hour, we'll be building up to next week's highly anticipated boxer event, a middleweight clash between Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams at the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff. It is over, and Chris Eubank Jr. does get the comeback victory. Eubank stopping the forward advance of Yildirim, and he's finding holes in that guard. Yildirim being forced backwards, and a thunderous left hook sends into the canvas, and it's being waved off immediately. Our referee, Marcus McDonald, reaches the count of 10. Therefore, your winner by way of countout, and still British middleweight champion, Liam the Machine Williams. He's gone. He's gone down, it was the right hook and the right uppercut that did the damage. And is he going to get up? Fell to the canvas, face down, and he looks very unsteady as he got back to his feet. Referee Bob Williams wants to see him walk towards him. And look at that, one punch needed, and Liam Williams has indeed knocked him out. It's been postponed twice, but now finally it's on. It's Eubank versus Williams, and live and exclusive, right here on TalkSport. So without further ado, let's hear from Chris Eubank Jr. I caught up with him earlier this week, and here's how he sounded. I'm going to start today, Chris, by asking you, and everybody loves to talk to you about it, what difference has Roy Jones Jr. made in your career and maybe in your life in what is almost two years now? Roy has just, he's changed my outlook on boxing and he's given me a new fire, a new lease of life, I guess you could say. You know, there wasn't too much more I thought I could learn as a fighter. After meeting Roy, I, you know, I realized how wrong I was. Even after 10 years, I'm still learning new things with this man every time we're in the gym together. It's crazy. We go to the Budweiser scorecards. Robert Bird scores the bout 119 to 106. Larry Rosadilla scores it 118 to 107. Peter Tremetera scores it 119 to 106. All for the winner by unanimous decision and still the undisputed light heavyweight champion of the world, Roy Jones Jr. It's funny because, you know, Boxing and the art of things is so much about passing things on. Obviously, the DNA of your father passes on to you, the DNA of his physicality, of his, of his descent passes on to you, as does your mother's, and of course. And, but there's another element in terms of how the history of Sun Tzu and the art of war warriors themselves passing things on, passing the torch on. And I've, Roy has mentioned that to me, that he really wants to pass his torch on to you. And it must be 
very confidence filling. It must help your self-belief, not that you lack it, but it must help your self-belief that this guy who, when you watch some of the things he does from middleweight to heavyweight, when he boxes, just crazy. It must feel brilliant to, to have that, what, what sports psychologists call scaffolding in the background, you know? Yeah, the support, the belief, um, the backing. I, you know, I, I, yeah. have, I, have his, I have his backing. He has my back. And that is, you know, that's a hell of a feeling. You know, someone you've watched your entire career, who you consider a legend to, you know, to know that he really does believe in you and that, you know, he, he really does want you to, to be the best fighter you can be and to help you get to those, you know, to, to the goals that you want to achieve, you know, that's just a great feeling. And um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely is a confidence booster for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the official time. Two minutes, 31 seconds of round number eight. Our referee in charge, Ian John Lewis, steps in, stops the contest as the blue corner in no position to continue. Therefore, your winner, still undefeated, Chris Eubank Jr. Is, is the fact that Chris Eubank Sr., is delighted that you're with Roy. Has that helped? Because you know, father has definitely taken a backwards seat since since that. Because before that, he was very much forefront with you, and we know what kind of character he is, and he's a showman. And maybe some of that deflected from you at times as well. And it must be must be pleasing that dad feels he can take a backward step now. Well, you know, I wouldn't actually say that he's that's happened because of Roy. That's probably right. happened since after the, the Groves fight. You know, then I, I went searching for a trainer. I ended up, um, you know, working with um, Nate in, uh, in the States. That was when you started seeing a shift. But, you know, at the beginning of my career, I didn't, I didn't really want to do the whole media thing. I didn't really like talking to people and I just wanted to fight. I wanted to prove the doubters and the haters wrong. That was all I was, that's all I cared about. That's all I was focused on. So I guess that's where my father kind of came in and took the pressure off me because it was always going to be media obligations. And, you know, he kind of, yeah, took, he took that role, you know, that's why he was always the one talking. Now, over the last few years, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a veteran now. So I, I, I'm comfortable. I've been there. I've done it. I know, I know the process. I know the steps. I know how to express myself a lot better than I did when I was 22. So he's just not needed to, he's not needed to speak for me anymore. I'm happy to do that. And yeah, he is very happy that I'm now working with Roy, which is great. He was, he's, he was fully behind it from the beginning. So yeah, it's, you know, we, we have a great team now. We have a great setup. Oh, great shot, lovely shot. And that is it, fight over, left uppercut, and he's knocked him cold. As you say, you're a 10-year vet now as a professional, but let me take you back to earlier in your life. When you were a young boy, obviously you were growing up in Hove in, in your early teens. Did you believe then that you would go on and be a professional boxer and head towards having ambitions to be a world champion and all of those kind of things that go with it? That was always the dream. You know, once I really started getting into boxing, you know, 14, 15, once my dad let me let me into the gym, started training, had my first few spars. I knew that that's, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to become, you know, an elite level fighter, a world champion. You know, I wanted to make a name for myself. And aside from my dad, you know, I didn't, I, I knew that I didn't want to always be Chris Eubanks' son. I wanted to be my own man. Having the same name has made that extremely difficult. But, you know, I think I've done it. And I'm, con I'm, con I'm continuing to do it. But yeah, I always knew from, from very early on that, you know, I, I wanted to become, you know, the best, best. There's a couple of, uh, well, simply the best comes to mind there as well. So um, um, there's a couple of amazing stories involving you and your father. There's one, one that I love, which is, and, and, and you know, you can, you can throw water on this, whether it's apocryphal or not. In your late teens, the end, or high school, that you lived with a lady in Las Vegas 
and you attended high school in Las Vegas, but it was based on your father's radar that he picked the right lady to let you guys live with. And he didn't know her that well, but you guys spent two years there and had an amazing time. You won the Golden Gloves in Nevada and it really did propel you on the way. Is that is that really true? And what was that experience like? It, it was true, yeah. I mean, what isn't true is what the the media and the newspapers put out there that my old man had, uh, you know, gave gave me away, and I was adopted. Obviously, that just never happened. Did um, he meet but, you on a park bench? Is that right? They started chatting on a park bench, and I, I, I don't know the story of where they met, but you know, it, 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 she wasn't a stranger. Right. Um, you know, they. They'd been in contact for for a while, and you know she had gained his trust, and you know he had gained her trust, and and you know they were they were they were friends. Tell me about those two years in in Las Vegas in Nevada, Sin City, we all call it. Remember, so yes, so know, I went to high school. We li we lived with her. Uh, I graduated from high school. I actually got a scholarship to UNLV, but I, I never ended up going. I moved back to England before I could actually start going which I kind of always regretted that I didn't get to experience that part of growing up you know going to uni or co they call it college but I had you know I had I had to box I had to I had to compete I had to go back to England yeah that's where I you know got my ass kicked every week by professionals top professionals at top ranked gym uh, and then later on at Floyd Mayweather's gym when he opened it up, um, you know that th that's that's where I learned my trade. That's where the foundation was built. That's where, really, you know, I only had twenty six amateur fights, but really I had one hundred and twenty six amateur fights, or you know, no, I had five hundred and twenty six amateur fights because I was sparring two three times a week every week, and those spars were, you know much more intense than, you know, an amateur fight. So um, though that's where I got my experience from, even though I'm on paper technically inexperienced in the amateurs, I, I you know, I was sparring a lot. So that's where I got my, my experience from. Uh, Eubanks dignity clearly stung by those rights. He's got him with the right hand and he's down. And Melfa is gonna struggle to beat this count. It's counted out. The legs are like jelly. And in the fourth round, Chris Eubank makes it. Win. Do you remember, Chris? Do you, do you remember being in the Mayweather gym with Mayweather around? And were you like, God, I want to jump in and have a spa with him. I want to jump in and try and... Yeah, I used to watch you know, all the pros. There were, there were loads of pros. I actually sparred quite a few of them. I remember sparring Zab Judah, Chad Dawson. I sparred a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of pros. So, you know, at first I was trained by Mike McCallum. Then after a year or two, I started working with Floyd Mayweather Sr. The things you learn, the things you see, you know, in those gyms and around those types of people, you know, you, you, can't, you can't get that anywhere, really. You have to go to the city of sin. You know, that's where these guys are. People that don't know boxing, you know, where they think, well, Vegas is the last place you want to go to really you know, knuckle down and learn the trade of boxing because all they know is, all they see is the distractions. You know, you've got the strip and the, the clubs and the girls and the drugs and the strip clubs. But, um, you know, outside of that entertainment area on the strip, you have a real city. You know, you've got schools and gyms and everything, hospitals and all this stuff. And, and the gyms There's a lot there. of hustle in Vegas outside it, isn't there? You've got to be able to hustle in a good way, yeah. I mean. In, yeah, in well, good, good and bad. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Sure, but the, the the gyms out there they're just always full of, of of fighters. You know, whether they're getting ready to fight in Nevada or, or just you know they just want to come and train. You know, people just flock to Vegas to 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 train and to to fight and to spar. So it was a great place to be and still is. Chris Eubank Jr. There, looking ahead to his clash with Liam Williams on February the fifth. Live and exclusive, of course, on Talk Sports. We'll hear the second half of the interview after the break. This is Fight Night Countdown on Talk Sports.
three in favor of the winner. He is now the IBO Super Middleweight Champion, Chris Newbank Liam Williams is not capable of changing what he is. You know, he's an ABC fighter. Nothing's going to save him from what's coming. Absolutely nothing. Welcome back to Fight Night Countdown here on TalkSport with me, Gareth A. Davis. We're building up to the highly anticipated boxer event between Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams. We've heard part one of my interview with Chris. Let's hear part two. From Nevada, the second story I, I, I wanted to bring up today was when Dan took you to, and then this was another test, took you to Cuba to train yeah. with the Cuban amateur team, and you had to get in the ring with a Cuban heavyweight, I believe. Yep. The worst beating I ever took in a boxing ring. And it was his test to see if he believed you could really do it. No, my, my father wasn't expecting that to happen. You know, I had, uh, I think two days before, I, did, I don't speak, uh, what, what's the language? Spanish. I, Spanish. Yeah, I don't speak Spanish. So I, I, I ended up sparring, I think, the, the middleweight Olympian representative. And um, it was supposed to be a technical spar. And I didn't understand when they said that. So when the bell went, I just went at it. And, uh, you know, I, I think I hurt the kid in the second round. It was, you know, it was a three round spa, got out and, you know, I was looking around. I was like, you know, happy. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I just, you know, I, I just beat this guy up. Um, and I could see some of the, the Cuban coaches were like, what the hell? Like they were, you know, they weren't happy. And I didn't, re I didn't realize why. So then two days later, I'm back in the gym and they're basically saying, you know, jump in the ring and spa this guy, this heavyweight. So they'd obviously decided, all right, they thought I was taking advantage. Like, you know, he, you know, it's supposed to be a technical spar and I'm throwing him in hard. So let's put him in with the heavyweight and, you know, let's uh, let's take advantage of him a little bit. And that's what that's what the kid did. You know, the guy was, I don't know how big, 220, 230 pounds. And he beat <laughs> out of me for three rounds, knocked me out of the ring. I had to get back up. There was it was actually concrete around outside of the ring. So I had my when I fell out of the ring, I hit my knee and it went dead. So I had to get back in the ring and I'm, you know, hopping around the ring for three rounds, can't even feel one of my legs. And yeah, you know, he, he beat me up bad. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a tough experience, but, you know, I, I, I'm glad it happened because it taught me that, you know, if, 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 an, if a heavyweight, a Cuban Olympian can't knock me out, then I don't have to worry about these middleweights. I don't have to worry about anybody in my own weight. That's for sure. You know, and he he caught me flush a couple times. So, um, yeah, you know, it was it was horrible, but I'm 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 thankful for that experience. We go to the judges' scorecards. Marcus McDonald, Steve Gray, and Howard Foster all scored this bout identically, ninety-eight to ninety-two. All for your winner by unanimous decision. The next gen, Chris Eubank Jr. We've talked about the past a little bit. Let, let, let's bring things up to, to, to now and, and, and certainly the last couple of years. Obviously, the last couple of years have been a bit odd because of the restrictions on boxers and everyone in general and crowds and big fights. It's been fascinating watching your growth since the World Boxing Super Series, for example. You were a huge part of that. The fights you had in that were enormous. What, for you, have been the most significant moments for you in the last two or three years, bringing you up to, you know, you're a box office fighter now. You're a, you're, you're a guy who is on the cusp the whole time of challenging the biggest names in boxing for a world title. I mean, what, what, what's been the biggest moments in the last couple of years for you, last two or three years? Well, I definitely have to put the DeGale win up there. That's yeah. probably the most satisfying. As soon as the action resumes, Eubank launching himself furiously back into the pocket. And DeGale hanging on. But these have been a difficult final few rounds for James DeGale. He raises his arms immediately, his right arm immediately. But surely it is Chris Eubank Jr. The judges are in agreement. We have a unanimous decision. Here are the score totals. Judge of ringside. 
Howard Foster scores them out 114 to 112. Judge Jerome Laud sees them out 115 to 112. Judge Olena Pobivailo scores them out 117 to 109. All three in favor of the winner. He is now the IBO Super Middleweight Champion, Chris Newbank Jr. My my first fight in America. That was that was uh, you know a massive thing for me, you know, and it is a shame that that kind of got cut short, you know, and and I'm not just talking about the uh, the fact that the you know Korobov. Uh, quit in the second round or whatever you know with COVID hitting and me not really being able to continue with that Amer the American outfit showtime and that I mean who knows what could have happened I mean what was supposed to happen was I was supposed to they were supposed to set the fight up in 2020 with me and Charlo you know we both fought on the same bill in 2019 and we both won and they were going to set up a fight between me and him so you know, it, you know, it's like you, you just wonder, like you know, what, what would have happened? You know, what, what, if COVID hadn't hit, where would I be now? You know, I could, I could be world champion right now. You know, but everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm disappointed. You know, I'm actually very happy now being here in England. You know, fighting on Sky Sports. You know, I've got this big, massive domestic fight coming up that probably would never have happened if if I had stayed in the states and. You know, and from that, with there are you know some big, big fights to be had in 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 twenty twenty two. So um, you know, everything happens for a reason. We're on track, and uh, and yeah, these next few years are going to be massive, I believe. Korbov able to maneuver himself in, and oh, he's taken. Uh, well, it looks oh, like oh, 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 an injury, oh, an injury. What happened? Darn shoulder, shoulder. Yeah. Hold still. Me a doctor. Me a doctor. Time, time, time. Come here. Come here, come here. Easy, 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 easy. Which one? Arizona, yeah, the left side. Yeah. As you say, I imagine you're still pushing for the Jamal Charlo fight as well, but also I know you've mentioned Gennady Golovkin. That's a fight you really want. It's, I think it's a brilliant stylistic matchup for you, but we mustn't, of course, overlook Liam Williams. Um, there, there, there's an element of him feeling grudged towards you. Um, he says he doesn't like you. We've seen you together at the press conference. The fight's been delayed twice. It makes it bigger. Um, styles make fights. And, and, and this has excited us because we know that Williams is a dog. You know, he loves to fight. Um, and, he, and he probably only knows one way to do it. And he'll probably want to draw you into a dog fight. I imagine you're not overlooking him and you have to take this fight very seriously because um, he, he's a strong contender. Tell me about your feelings about him as a person and also the fight that we're going to witness next Saturday night. I mean, as a person, you know, it's, it's, it's no secret. I don't, I don't respect him. I don't like him. You know, he's the type of fighter that, that I believe uh, gives the sport a bad name and people like him need to be pushed out of the sport. And that's my plan on February 5th. I want to get him out of the sport of boxing. You know, anyone who can talk the way he talks and, uh, you know, and online, we, you know, you got kids looking at, looking at us as fighters, you know, and they, and they, they copy us, you know? So when you've got a guy talking about someone's family and, you know, saying the things as he says, you know, kids are looking at that and be like, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to do when I get into the, you know, when I, when I start fighting, it's, uh, it's bad. It's bad for the sport. So yeah, on the night, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very spiteful on my part. And um, yeah, he's got he's got a very um, like you said, doggish fight style um, that lends itself perfectly to me. Uh, I can box, I can fight, I can punch. Um, you know, I can approach this fight in any way I see fit. It's just gonna, you know, I'm gonna feel him out for a round or so, and then uh, I'll decide in which way you know I want to take him out. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a domination, complete and utter domination, I believe, on my part. Um, I've trained very hard for this fight. The setbacks have been an issue, but you know we both had to deal with them, so you know it's fair game. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's over. Chris Eubank Jr. is the champion of Great Britain. 
obviously you're going up into Liam Williams territory up to Cardiff. It's going to be kind of the lion's den going into the lion's den lots of ways because he will have the majority of the support in there on the night, given that it's a Welsh crowd. Are you having to keep yourself in check in the build-up next week, being around each other, that, that things perhaps don't boil over because, you know, the, the, it could easily ignite at the press conference, at the way and all those things? No, it, it, it won't ignite. If it, if it was going to ignite, it would have ignited, uh, you know, it would have ignited when I was sitting across from him at the... Um, at the London Club. Bridge at the press conference, yeah. Well, yeah, no, at the press conference, but also when we it was just me, him, and Johnny Nelson in a room together, no one else, uh, you know. And uh, you could see he didn't want to be there. You know, I buried the guy for half an hour. You guys will see next week when it comes out. You know, all talk. Uh, a, a true keyboard warrior, that's what he is. And, yeah, you know, he's, he's dug himself a hole that he's not going to be able to climb out of. He's going to try hard. But, um, you know, it's my job to go in there, you know, smother him and, and take him out of there. So you're predicting a, a stoppage victory for yourself, yeah? I think so, yeah. He's, he's, not, he's not one of these guys that, that runs. Um, he's not elusive. You know, I don't see any great defence. So uh, I don't see how the fight can last 12 rounds. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have an amazing chin either. Um, you know, he's been put down before. So um, I just I don't see any any way that he can he can win the fight. He's not going to outbox me. He's not going to outfight me. I don't think he has the power to knock me out. But this is the great thing about boxing is that you know fighters can be so sure. You can say all these things leading up to a fight, and then you know once we're in that ring, one punch can just change everything, and you never know when it's going to come. You know they say fighters can you know they. Uh, they, they they age overnight or they get old overnight. Is that is that what is that the saying? You can age overnight, exactly. Yeah. Overnight. Get old overnight. Get old overnight. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'm 32 now. Who knows? Maybe maybe I've gotten old overnight. Maybe I'm maybe I'm going to go into the ring and I'm going to be chinny. And if he lands something, I'm going to get hurt. Nobody knows. Uh, you know, we'll 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 find out in uh, in a week's time. That was Chris Eubank Jr. speaking ahead of his fight on February the 5th, live and exclusive, of course, on TalkSport. After the break, we'll hear from his opponent, Welsh warrior Liam Williams. This is Fight Night Countdown on TalkSport. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. 
To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Williams is going looking for him right here, right now. And he's down for a second time. Left hand puts him down on the seat of his pants. Two big left hands and he's going to go again. Referee might stop it. He's looking, it's going to be all over. He's gone down and it's all over. Liam Williams gets the dream result. Hello and welcome back to Fight Night Countdown here on TalkSport with me, Gareth A. Davis. We're building up to the big boxer event between Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams. We've heard my interview with Chris Eubank Jr. and now it's time to check in with Liam Williams, who I also caught up with earlier this week. Liam, it's great to see you and catch up with you um, ahead of this massive fight in Cardiff uh, next weekend and of course talk sport there. Have you always had your eyes on the fact that you would be <laughs> facing this guy in the ring? For a good few years, you know, I've, I've always kind of known that or expected this fight to happen somewhere along the line. It's going to be like five, six years, I'm guessing. Five, six, seven years. We've always kind of been, there's always been little talks. And although he was like one pointed up super middleweight and, and whatnot, um, there's always been that possibility. And I think in my mind, I always knew for some reason he was going to fight, you know. Good work from Williams. He's gone. He's gone. Midway through the second round, Karim matured, never stopped, and he's in big trouble. And Williams is going looking for him right here, right now. Let me take you back, because um, let's just look through uh, your career. Let me just take you back to, you, you, you've spoken to me in the past and said you were a terror when you were younger, and boxing kind of paved the way for you to be a different person that... You, you know, you've even said to me, you look back on yourself as a young teenager and you wouldn't like yourself now. Yeah, just, you pretty much explained to them, mate, because I was never like, like a horrible kid, but I was always likely to be in some kind of bother, you know. I'd be up to one thing or another, get myself in the So um, I, I do think boxing played a major part in my life of kind of keeping me on the right track then. And, you know, I've only, I've only ever benefited from boxing, I would say. He's really going looking for Robinson, and he's put him down. It was a right hand. No, left up to the body, John, actually. Good left up to the body. Right hand went in. Right hand over the top first. Yeah, but the left up to the body did the damage. It really did look... Oh, he's not... Oh, he stopped it. He stopped it in the first round. And he can't believe it. Andrew Robinson can't believe it. You told me as well that when you were younger, you really didn't know ever to back down from a fight, be it against men or older kids or bigger kids. Is, is it just in you to be a warrior? Are you chosen to do this? Yeah, um, I can't explain that to you, to be honest. I've always been the same. Like, I, I would be 15, out 14, 15 out with my mates, and, like, we'd all be drinking or something. Like, if... Um, a fully grown man, 20, 30, 40 years old, could start something. The boys would all f themselves, and I'd be like, come on, let's have a go. And I'd usually end up cracking him as well. And it's mad because I've actually got two nephews, twins. Um, they're 11 years old, they'll be 12 in February now, and um, and they're very much like me. They're, um, they're not wired up right. So, therefore, will you encourage them to go into the gym? Yeah, they're actually in the gym already. There you go. Which is a good thing for them, I think. Um, uh, and they probably, they're likely to fight as well um, within the first half of this year, I think. Yes, it's good, mate. I think um, boxing or some, they play rugby as well. So, boxing or, or rugby could potentially be a good one for them as well because they'll probably need that kind of direction that I needed myself. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the official time. 
Two minutes, 59 seconds of round number five. Our referee, Steve Gray, waves off the contest. Your winner by way of technical countdown. And now the WBO Intercontinental Middleweight Champion, Liam the Machine Williams. When you look back on it, do you feel that had it not been for boxing that you, that you could have gone the wrong way, that, that you could have been in trouble with the police, that you could have really hurt someone, you could have, you know now how dangerous you are physically, you could have ended up in a situation where someone was really badly hurt or you could end up yeah. being an enforcer <laughs> in the wrong group or, you know, have you, have you looked back on that? Yeah, a million percent. I haven't really thought too much, you know, because we're, we are where we are, you know, I'm in a good position, thankfully. But I'm pretty sure that, let's put it this way, if I didn't have boxing, I would have 100% better myself to experience going to jail by now. Mm. Um, and that's, I don't want people to think that of, like, you know, I'm not a bad person, but I would have probably done a few things differently. Um and I, yeah, I would have definitely got myself in some kind of trouble. So yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm thankful for boxing. It's, it's give me uh, every now and again. I start to go out the line, and then something snaps. And I'm an athlete. I'm a professional. I'm a I'm a I'm somebody kids look up to. Um, this that or the other, you know. When when people talk about boxing should be abolished, then and boxing's bad for people. And are you one of the advocates in that sense? Then that. No, it needs to be here in our society because there are people that instinctively fight other people and it just allows you to train those natural instincts that you have and change your life and you're living proof of it. Yeah, you're totally right, mate. It could, so you could look at it both ways. Boxing is bad. It can be bad for your health. You know, you get punched in the head. I broke my hands, you know, fractured my hands, God knows how many times. I've had a shoulder operation, I broke my nose. Every, there's been so many things. But um, I, I would rather, this is a big quote actually, but I would rather risk my life doing what I'm doing and people looking up to me, you know, um, encouraging other youngsters to do better. Model. I would rather do what I'm doing than live, live an average life and potentially be getting in trouble I'm going out drinking every weekend and fighting or whatever it may be. So I do definitely think that boxing is a big, is a big help for a lot of people. And um, as you said, there, definitely myself. Well, it's a big. It's it's been proven over the last few years as mental health has become a big issue that people going and training in that way, not even to be professional fighters or even having a fight, just going and training it, absolutely helps their brain and their body and their feel-good factor and their well-being. So, you know, it makes sense. We're, it's, it's, a, it's a primeval animal instinct in us at, at some point, isn't it? We've, we've had to survive way back when anyway, so it's there somewhere in our DNA. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm definitely a much happier person than myself. You know, I can't speak for everybody, but when I'm in training and I'm grafting every day and I'm eating tidy and whatnot, I'm, I'm a much happier person. I'm a much nicer person as well. Liam Williams there, looking ahead to his clash with Chris Eubank Jr. on February the 5th. And don't forget, it is live and exclusive on Talk Sports. We'll hear the second half of the interview after this break. This is Fight Night Countdown on Talk Sports. setting anything up with the jab. Oh. oh, right hand. A delayed reaction from Horvath before he went down. And I don't know if that caught him on or in the eye. And he's not getting up. He shakes his head. It's the second round stoppage for Liam Williams. Quicker than Bullioni, quicker than Eubank. Statement made. Welcome back to Fight Night Countdown here on TalkSport with me, Gareth A. Davis. We're building up 
to the big fight between Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams. We've heard part one of my interview with Liam, and now it's time to hear part two. Let's talk about your career a little bit. Basically, you've developed this style, which is aggressive, come forward, it's in you, it's very natural, um, but you've got great boxing skills alongside it as well. What for you are the standout moments in your career so far? Obviously, we know about the two fights with, with Beefy Smith, Liam Smith. We, we um, The Bubu Andrade fight was a big moment. This is a huge moment. Um, where, where are the standout moments in it for you from, from, you know, kind of going through the amateurs and then into the pros and, 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 and along the way there on that journey? I just think, you know, I won't go too far back, but I think um, in terms of standout certain fights for me, my first kind of breakout fight was when, um, when I actually watched Ronnie Headphone, who was obviously Mark Headphone's brother all them years ago. Everybody was labelling him as, as the new, the next Ricky Hatton. Obviously, same initials and all that business as well, like the new RH. So it was that. Then, then we had the fights with, with Liam Smith. They were, they were you know, big, uh, big publicity fights. Then I lost. The Mark Heffron was a big fight for me. Yeah. Meant a lot to me, winning that yeah. fight and coming back. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the official time. One minute, 55 seconds of round number 10. Our referee in charge, Howard Foster, waves off the contest as the blue corner was in no condition to continue. Therefore, your winner, and now the British middleweight champion, Liam the Machine Williams. But you did prove in that fight that how much dog is in you against Andrade. And also, he must have been one of the trickiest opponents you've ever faced. He, he, he's, a, he's an unusual fighter in that he's strong early on and then almost seems to go into a very defensive shell later on in, in his contest. And we've seen that time and again. And you knew that and you tried to exploit it at the end of the fight, didn't you? Yeah, it was um, it was a difficult fight to be honest with you because, at the, uh, as you said at the beginning, he was all over me like a rash. He was swinging for the else trying to knock me out, and when he couldn't, so it's like I'm having to adapt. Normally, like a fighter's a fighter, and they generally fight a certain kind of way. But he he came at me um, like a bull out the gate. You know, I didn't expect that. Yeah, I really didn't expect him to come flying me like that. Um, and then all of a sudden, when I found my feet and started fighting back, he goes on the defensive and he's and he's ducking, diving, slip sliding. He's he's duck. He's doing everything he can to possibly stay away from me. So it's harder because obviously I got hurt early in the fight as well. I was down, so I was almost in defensive mode for a couple of rounds. And then when he starts going on the back foot, it's like it's hard to adjust. So, it, but yeah, it was it was a great learning experience and. You know, I, I did underestimate him, if I'm being honest with you. He's, he's some, some talent, very, very good. Judge Gerardo Martinez has it 116-111. Ben Ra, Russell, and Rourke Young both have it 118-109. Your winner by unanimous decision. He is still undefeated and still the WBO middleweight champion of the world, Demetrius Has it prepared you well, though, in a, in a certain sense? Like you said, you've learned a lot from it for this fight now with Eubank. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, in, in terms of style, they're different. But you know, I've been on that big. I've been on the big stage before as well. But like, you know, I've been in against a three-time world champion. Been down early. I went into the fight carrying injury, so I won one hundred percent. There's a lot of things which didn't go in my favour, which which are back right this time, back perfect. And, you know, so if I can get through them type of fights and put up a good performance, you know, with the kind of preparation that I did, that I did then with, with everything going perfect this time, it's, it's, it's going to work, work really well, isn't it? Well, we cannot wait for this fight because stylistically, it's a fantastic matchup. When you 
see the shapes of you and him moving together and you will have studied this, you'll have studied your moves. Do you think you're going to draw him into a battle? Is that what you want? Do you want to dogfight against Eubank? Do you want to break him down? Do you want to, do you want to have a boxing match? What are we looking at, do you think? Because um, it could go so many ways given both of your styles. I think it's inevitable that, that this fight is, is going to be a bit of a dogfight. Um, might be cagey for a couple of rounds, but with, with his style and you know his aggressiveness, and also mine on the other side of the ring, then it's very likely to break out into a good fight, isn't it? So um, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm ready to stand and fight, really, um, because, yeah, it, if I come to run away and box defensively, it could, could be a very hard night for me because he's going to be in my face, you know? So I need to be ready to, to stand my ground. Is there genuine dislike between you and him, do you think? It seems like a real grudge when you two are together. There's... You, you consider him to be quite arrogant, I think, and you, you make no pains about that. And you, you, you think he, you know, he's got this personality that he likes to put out there. Did you ever watch his dad box? And were you a fan of Eubank Sr.? Um, I didn't really watch him back in the day, but obviously, you know, as I've become a pro and whatnot, obviously you can see and respect that. Yeah, he was obviously very good, good showmanship and everything like that. But as for Junior, I, I honestly really dislike him. There's not many people in this world I hate, yeah, and, and hate is a strong word to use, but I hate him. I, I really, really dislike the guy. Can't stand the sight of him. What is it about, what is it about him? What is it that gets under your skin? I, I, don't, I don't even know, Gareth. I, I just, I look at him and he makes my skin crawl. I just want to kill him. Really? Kill him is a bit harsh, like, but, 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 but metaphorically, you, you, you yeah, want to knock yeah, him out. You want to knock yeah. him out, yeah. You want to knock him yeah. out, yeah. Yeah. Is that a good feeling to have going into a camp? Is it an emotionless feeling? Is it a cold feeling um, that then drives you in camp to to be ready for that? Yeah, you know, it's not it's not too it's not too emotional. Whereas it's going to affect me, but like, it's emotional in terms of. How can I put it? Like, it, it does give me that extra real drive in camp then. This morning, for example, I woke up. I'm really tired this morning. I had a hard day yesterday. I could have quite easily pied the gym off. And I went in. And once I got going, I was actually flying. I was, yeah. you know, I was on foam because I'm thinking, no, that, I'm, not, I'm not relaxing. I'm, I've got a tough fight. I've got this guy in front of me. And you just get this vision. And, um, and it drives you on a bit. Are you relishing the big stage, a packed out crowd, massive raucous support for you in Cardiff? There'll be a huge Welsh gathering there. And, and, and also, it's a moment in time. Joe Calzaghe, Jimmy Wilde, Tommy Farr, Liam Williams is going to be in those names one day because you're still <laughs> intent on becoming a world champion. So what does it mean to, to, to be in Wales in a big fight that's got a huge projection next week? Yeah, it's um, it's huge. It's amazing. Um, this fight anyway is a good fight and, and a big fight, like enjoyable for me to be involved in. But the fact that it's in Cardiff as well, which is basically, you know, my hometown. Well, it's not far away anyway. Let's put it that way. It's like it's it's unbelievable. It's massive. Do you know on the fifth of February, Cardiff is going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of. Um, Mad Welsh supporters there, they're going to blow the roof off. Will you draw on that? Do you draw on that kind of thing? Does it get more out of you? Yeah, it's hard not to, isn't it? You know, to be honest with you, when you got, when you got thousands of, of Welsh fans screaming your name and, well, whatever they're going to be screaming, probably not very nice things aimed towards him. You know, do this to him, do that to him. It's like, you're going to get pumped and I'm pumped just thinking of it. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting, uh, to say the least. Go on then, finally, what's what's your view on how this fight goes and how would you like to finish this fight? The main prediction for me is I get my hand raised at the end. Yeah. Um, however that comes, I fully believe I can hurt him and, and knock him down, possibly knock him out. But who knows, he is a very tough character, mentally and physically. So I'm preparing to have my hands full. But nevertheless, if it goes 12, I win. If anybody gets knocked out, it's more likely to be him rather than me. 
And do you project yourself towards another world title shot, do you believe, with victory? Yeah, well, 100%. That's, that's the goal. That's kind of every, every fighter's goal. In a, but I'm, I'm honestly not looking past this fight, and I haven't since, since it was announced. Like, it's a hard fight. I need to win this fight before I make any other plans. I've obviously kind of thought in the back of my mind, you know, if I win this, could be Golovkin, it could be, you know, this or that guy. Or, but it's just kind of back in mind thoughts, you know, it's never really, I've got one focus, really. And given that it's been delayed twice, unfortunately, you must be excited that it's finally <clears throat> going to happen on Saturday night. Yeah, mate, I can't wait. I'm excited. Um, I'm buzzing to get my hands on him more than anything. But I'm, I'm also buzzing to have a little bit outside the camp as well so I can live a bit of a normal life for, for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever. Maybe I'm going to go on holidays. I'm just going to get a little bit fat, probably. Well, that's it. You've now heard from both fighters ahead of the boxer event this coming Saturday. Mouth-watering stuff. You can draw your own conclusions on who you think will win this fight. But one thing is for sure, it's going to be an absolute cracker. I'll be there, of course, alongside my Fight Night co-host Adam Catterall with Spencer Oliver and Andy Clark on comms. Saturday, February the 5th, and live and exclusive right here on TalkSport. Thank you very much for listening to Fight Night Countdown on Talk Sports. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.